Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latino Stories. I'm Elena Faulis. My guest today is Professor Rachel Shostak. Shostak is an associate professor of Spanish and linguistics in the Department of Modern and Classical Language and Literatures at Wichita State University. She co-wrote her latest book titled Health Dispar Disparities in the Applied Linguist with Maricel Santos, Glenn Martinez, Drew Coulter, and Dalia Magaña. Rachel also leads an organization called Alce Su Voz that addresses language barriers in healthcare and supports health equity for Spanish-speaking Latinxes in Kansas. Bienvenida a este episodio, Rachel. Gracias. Es un placer tener la oportunidad de hablar contigo y con los oyentes. Rachel, it's clear from your research and community-engaged work that you are committed to providing access and identifying resources for the Latinx, Latinx community, especially in relation to health disparities. Can you talk to us about this work? Sure. Uh, I started working in this area several years ago because um, I knew healthcare facilities in Kansas were not consistently providing qualified interpreting services for patients who needed them, which often was leading to a situation in which children would end up interpreting for their parents' medical visits or bilingual staff who are being called upon to interpret even though it's not part of their job description and they haven't had interpreter training. Mm -hmm. um, and so the research shows us that when, when care isn't provided adequately in a patient's preferred language, this negatively impacts health outcomes often in combination with other barriers to healthcare access. Mm -hmm. And federal regulations require healthcare facilities that receive federal funds to provide qualified interpreting services for patients who need them. But the complexity of the system for providing healthcare interpreters uh, in Kansas makes it difficult to enforce those regulations. Mm -hmm. So to figure out what needed to be done about this issue, I worked with colleagues and community partners and students to organize community meetings to learn about the barriers that Spanish speakers in Kansas have faced in accessing health care and to discuss uh, solutions to these challenges. And um, we developed a plan in collaboration with the community um, based on those community conversations and then we um, obtained funding to implement the plan and that's what we're doing now. Right, um, and that's something that you say that is key is this community <coughs> conversations, right? And getting information from the community and the resources that they that they need. And I, yes, I think about this a little bit uh, with uh, my work or my experience in Ohio, right? And and there is actual like legal consequences for hospitals that continue to use um, families as interpreters um, mm -hmm. because right liability and it's unethical and and so many other you know things that that um, could potentially be um, uh, dangerous, right? Not only for like not only legally, right, but um, it could really impact the health or the outcome for a patient. Uh, if we have mm -hmm. um, unqualified st staff to do this, right? 
Right. Any, and that can be anything from um, a miscommunication that leads to incorrect medicine use mm -hmm. to just um, not having um, a sense of trust between the patient and the clinician, which can lead to um, the patient not being very likely to follow through with the plan of care. Absolutely. And of course, there can even be um, a risk of, of a miscommunication that can lead to really serious health outcomes. Like, uh, for example, we had a um, one of our participants, her son had um, appendicitis, which was not diagnosed mm. because of um, miscommunication in um, a medical visit. And then he was sent home hmm. with an incorrect medication and his appendix ended up bursting, bursting and hmm. causing him to be hospitalized for many days and missing out on days of work. Right. Um, right. And yeah, a really absolutely. high medical bill. Yes, no. Um, and that's, you know, and this, we think, oh, we know this, right? Or, or like there's been, uh, there have been studies or examples that we can draw from, but the realities are that this thing, this, these things are still happening, even in places like right. um, Texas, where I am now, um, mm -hmm. where you would have more bilingual staff or more, more bilingual um, uh, community. It, it is the case that um, there is this um, sense of, I don't even know how to identify it, but when you do have bilingual staff, um, that they do that job, right? That the job of interpretation is happening through them, even though they might not, they certainly were, were not hired for that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and right. also, yeah. they might not be like um, uh, trained on specifics exactly. about um, interpretation. So that could also put uh, patients and everyone at risk. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Rachel, mm -hmm. what is the makeup of the Latinx population there in Kansas? Kansas is about 11% Latinx. Um, the city of Wichita is about 18% Latinx. Mm. And then in southwest Kansas, there are three counties that are majority Latinx. Mm -hmm. So the, the Latinx community is, is concentrated mostly in um, in southwest Kansas, Wichita, and then um, southeast Kansas now more recently and also northeast kansas and where um what's the heritage or um background of uh most 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 common in kansas uh, the majority of latinx families in kansas are of mexican origin but uh, much of the very recent immigration is from central america and mm -hmm. also venezuela mm -hmm. and um we have at least several thousand speakers of Mayan languages in Kansas, mainly in Southwest and Southeast Kansas. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit about your organization, Alce Su Voz, which is a community-based uh, coalition whose mission is to improve health equity for Spanish speakers and speakers of indigenous languages in the United States with a focus on Kansas and the Midwest. And so thank you for um, sharing, right, that there are there is a community that speaks Mayan languages in the state. Mm -hmm. So how does your organization push for equity in healthcare uh, for Latinx and indigenous families? And I'm curious um, if there is a, um, you know, hopefully growing number of interpreters or in translators for, for the various indigenous language that, that the state has. Um, no, there, there really isn't. And that's mm -hmm. something that we're, we're working toward. A lot of the interpreting done for the indigenous community members is ad hoc mm -hmm. um, or in Spanish mm -hmm. 
in order to interpret appropriately in Spanish with indigenous community members, uh, the interpreter needs to keep in mind that Spanish is is often um, a second, second language. language. Mm -hmm. um, one uh, community partner that I've been working with on this refers to it as a bridge language. Mm -hmm. So that that's something that um, we're going to be addressing in our one of our current projects, which is focused on um, actually vaccine equity for mm -hmm. Mayan communities in Kansas. Mm -hmm. um, and then just more broadly, health equity is related to many different factors. So we're taking a multifaceted approach to um, to pushing for health equity in, in Latinx and indigenous for Latinx and indigenous families here. Mm -hmm. um, so that includes community education, mm -hmm. engagement with hospitals and clinics, policy research and recommendations, and um, also educational programs that are designed to build a pipeline for bilingual children to become bilingual clinicians and, and healthcare interpreters. Um, and then we also are continuing to listen to and amplify the community voices um, and support support civic engagement in our Latinx communities. Right, and um, in your plan or your uh, the work that you're doing, are you also thinking of bringing awareness about different types of med medicine, um, like a more holistic holistic approach, especially when working with indigenous communities? Yeah, that is something that we need to focus on. Um, I think now that, especially like you said, now that we're starting on working with indigenous communities, because it's it's important for um, both um, healthcare providers and also interpreters to be conscious of the fact that that um, patients will have different conceptualizations of what what it means to be healthy, what it means to take care of your 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 health. Um, because the, there are different cultural frameworks for understanding health right, in different communities. Mm -hmm. um, what have you seen, Rachel, in this uh, short two to three years that you've been working on this initiative? What is one or several of the positive contributions that you've seen through Alce Su Voz? Um, so we, we've provided a medium for Spanish speakers to share their testimonios, mm -hmm. uh, which has motivated further civic engagement throughout the community. And um, we have a lot of momentum right now in this um, project of, of collecting and disseminating uh, people's stories, stories about um, of patients who haven't been provided with adequate interpreting services or, um, or, or healthcare professionals who have been called upon to interpret when it wasn't part of their job, um, stories of family members who've had to interpret for a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the stories are also reaching policymakers, mm -hmm. including legislators and healthcare administrators. Mm -hmm. um, so we've seen more awareness um, among both legislators and policymakers um, and um, healthcare administrators we do have one legislator who has drafted a bill that would re reinforce the federal regulations that require healthcare institutions to provide qualified interpreting services. Mm -hmm. And um, we've also seen a greater awareness within um, Spanish speaking families of the right to qualified professional interpreting services. Mm -hmm. And we've seen small changes in the practices of healthcare institutions in Wichita. Um, but I think for me, I think um, one of the most exciting contributions that we've made has been um, the ways in which students have been able to be involved and have been able to be a part 
of work toward health equity in the communities where they grew up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so have you encountered any challenges or pushback um, about this program? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest challenges is that Kansas does not have a system of, of paying for interpreting services that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's a need for systemic change and systemic change is hard. Right. And um, and so um, I think I would say that that's been one of the biggest challenges because it's a very complex system and it, it's difficult to understand. It needs to be understood in order. Um, it needs to be understood and analyzed in order to determine how to how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's a, that's a long process. And um, until we fix that, there will be always be that excuse. So we can't pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something that we hear a lot, right? We can't pay for it. And, and but then what is the alternative, right? The alternative already, we have evidence that is not, um, and it's not the best solution, right? Because of um, the things that we already discussed, like ethics or um, possibly mm-hmm. putting somebody in danger. Uh, Rachel, what projects or initiatives are you working on for, for the rest of the year or for the next year? And I know Alce Subos is central to the work that you're doing at the moment. Sure. Um, so we are continuing to collect and disseminate the testimonios and you'll be able to find those on our Facebook page, with, which is Alce Subos Conozca Sus Derechos Como Paciente and also on our blog, which is on our website, alcesubos.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, we're also expanding our work to southwest and southeast Kansas um, for the first time this year and working with Mayan communities in those regions. Mm-hmm. And then um, finally, we're also starting to work to build coalitions between Spanish speaking parents, teachers, and school administrators so we can work to support educational equity and biliteracy development for the bilingual students because these are the students who will grow up to become bilingual professionals in Kansas. Right. That's wonderful work, Rachel. I, I am so Thank excited you. that you're doing this and that you have a group that is also, you know, working alongside mm-hmm. and the of- community is committed to also to doing this work alongside with you. Right. That's great. Uh, Rachel, muchas gracias por esta conversación. De nada, ha sido un placer. Muchas gracias. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.